I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the World Weekly at the Financial Times. I'm Andrew England. Turkey this week rolled tanks into Syria, launching a major offensive, which was ostensibly to fight ISIS. The operation comes shortly after the recent coup attempt against President Erdogan, Turkey's strongman leader. It was also mounted at the time when Vice President Biden of the US was visiting the country. US relations have been severely tested by allegations that a Turkish cleric living in the US, Fatula Gulen, was behind the coup attempt. Mr Gulen has denied it, but it's clearly stained relations. I'm joined by Mahul Srivastava, our Istanbul correspondent, and Dan Dombey, who was the previous correspondent for the FT in Turkey. Thank you both. Mihul, what's actually going on in Turkey at the moment? Why did Erdogan decide to launch this offensive now? I mean, it's all about timing, right? Jarablus, the city in northern Syria that the Turks have said they're trying to liberate from Islamic State, Islamic State has been there since about July 2013, and Turkey hasn't made any serious attempts to liberate it since then. But the Kurdish militias in northern Syria, which Turkey considers to be part of a terrorist group in extension, of the PKK here in Turkey, have made these huge advances in just the last month, including in the area called Manbij, just west of the Euphrates River. And with Mr. Biden visiting, it seemed like the perfect time for them to force the Americans' hand and say to them, look, in northern Syria, you can't support the Kurdish militias all the time. We have our own Turkmen and Arab militias that we've been training for a long time. And they may not be very good fighters, but we're going to back them up with tanks and artillery and they're going to go in and they're going to hold this plot of land so that Turkey can continue to be a player in what's going on inside Syria. And Dan, we've already mentioned that relations between the US and Turkey, which is a NATO member, were strained after the failed coup attempt and Turkey's efforts to get Mr. Gulen extradited from the US back to Turkey. How strained are those relations? And will this offence have any impact on Turkey's relations with the US and the West? Relations between the US and Turkey have been in a fairly precipitous decline since 2009. It's one of the ironies of history that uh, Turkey was one of the very first foreign countries President Barack Obama visited in 2009, where he declared a model partnership between the two countries. It's a model partnership that uh, few would want to emulate right now. Mr. Erdogan, Turkey's president, was until a few years ago one of the leaders that President Barack Obama regularly consulted. But the two sides have been going apart for many, many reasons since then. One is American concern at what they see as mounting authoritarianism within Turkey itself. Another more underlining one is differences over Syria. Mr. Erdogan is aghast at what he sees as US indifference to the suffering of people in Syria. But something that's really been a source of strain for the last two years or so has been the Kurds in Syria. And this, I think, is something that needs to be unpacked. When they look at the Kurds in Syria, the fighting militia there, the US sees what it regards as the best fighting force against ISIS. People who are really their best bet in combating what has become clearly the US's principal priority in the arena, which is to stop and to degrade and ultimately get rid of this jihadist extremist organisation. But when Mr Erdogan and many, many other Turks look at the Kurds in Syria and indeed throughout the region, they see instead 
a barely disguised sister organization to the PKK, which is the Kurdish organization which has been fighting Turkish authorities in a deadly war that's claimed tens of thousands of lives over the last three decades and more, and which has flamed up over the last 13 months. That, at root, the idea that US's allies are Turkey's foes, is one of the things that's really strained these two sides that explains this action. That fear that the Turks have of a hostile organization taking land along their border is one of the things that explains their action. And that difference between the two is one of the things that has really been very, very hard to overcome. But it's worth recalling that the Kurds in particular have felt empowered over the last year because of their effective alliance with the US. At that time, we've seen resurgence in the war in Turkey itself. And things very clearly are getting nasty on both sides of the frontier. And Mahal, I mean, one of the after effects of the coup attempt has been this massive purge, which has seen tens of thousands of government officials, particularly in the security, particularly in the military, being either arrested, suspended or purged. And yet at the same time, we're seeing Turkey face these multiple threats. Dan mentioned the Kurdish PKK inside Turkey, but we've also got the, the threat of ISIS in in Turkey. And this week we saw a devastating bombing in Gaziantep, which was blamed on ISIS. Given that you've had this purge, particularly around the security forces and these multiple threats, how capable or how well equipped is Erdogan and his government to deal with these threats? Well, you have to take each one of these threats separately. This offensive in a man for the Turkish military is not actually that big a deal. It's a small, limited operation, you know, a couple dozen tanks, a few fighter jets, some support from the U.S. operations. If they were to succeed, it's a very visible sign that they've managed to hold the military together after this coup was crushed on July 15th. But the purges themselves continue and are quite troubling and are quite a lot of questions being raised about what this does to the degraded ability of the Turkish military and the Turkish intelligence networks for the next few months and years, which is perhaps one of the most dangerous times that Turkey has faced in its recent history. As you try and wrest away territory from Islamic State inside Syria, Islamic State retaliates inside Turkey. We saw that happen over the weekend in Gaziantep with the suicide bombing, we've seen at least half a dozen more in the country that have been blamed on Islamic State. And when you try and go to battle with the Kurds and prevent them from controlling territory in northern Syria, as the Turks are quite worried, the PKK, a barely disguised sister organization as Dan described it, will possibly retaliate inside Turkey. So if you have a large number of generals in jail, you have a significant disruption to the second army, which is the one that protects the border with Syria, and you have a military intelligence network that's focused internally on rooting out the supporters of the coup rather than at protecting the country against these uh, threats, I think it's quite clear that Turkey faces a very dangerous time ahead and is fighting this. And Dan, I know you've written about the Gulenists before. How deep do they run? I mean, we hear about the Gulenists. What actually is a Gulenist and what is this organisation movement? Such a big question and it could take many, many months to answer, but I'll try and limit it to a few seconds if I can. There's a difference. There have been many forms of Islam in Turkey and in the world. One form of Islam is uh, Mr. Erdogan's. Another is people who follow the preaching of this man, Fethullah Gulen, a Turkish imam, originally from the Izmir region, who since the very end of the last century has been based in Pennsylvania, would you believe? He follows a school of thought which emphasizes education. But it's also a school of thought which many of its opponents say is involved in dissembling, 
taking control of parts of the government and state apparatus, perhaps for self-preservation reasons, perhaps for more sinister ends. They had very, very many recruits in the police, in the judicial service, in the prosecution service, and so on. And throughout, and they had large numbers of schools, universities, and cramming colleges. There was an alliance between him and Mr. Erdogan until about 2013. Then it blew up, and there were huge purges of the judiciary, the police service, and so on. But at this point, I think one has to eat, or I have to eat a little bit of humble pie, because we all wrote about, at the time, penetration in these organisations like the police. What wasn't clear is that there was large-scale, or what wasn't clear is what's been alleged since, that there's been actually large-scale Gulenist infiltration of the army as well. When I was in Turkey, which was the four years up until 2015, there were very high-profile trials against large numbers, scores of army officers, We thought at the time these were efforts to diminish the army, to weaken the army. The evidence in the end collapsed after the alliance between Erdogan and the Gulenists failed. Those cases were thrown out. But what's become clear since is the argument that actually these cases were about not destroying the army, but taking it over, getting rid of serving officers, getting rid of people ready to take over, take their positions, and at the same time filling the cadet colleges with their adepts. So the Gulenists, it seems according to their detractors, are people who are trying to fan out and control every part of the Turkish state, including the military. We hadn't taken appropriate notice of the military, now everyone has. Mr Gulen says he had nothing to do with the coup, that his supporters are throughout the Turkish society. His detractors see a much, much more sinister organisation, something between the Masons, the Moonies, with a little bit of Opus Dei thrown in as well. Mahal, given all this instability, I mean, Turkey had been one of the world's better performing emerging markets. I think it was producing growth of above 3%. How does all of this now impact on the economy of what is a very important emerging market? I mean, the drag on the economy is obvious after the coup, the lira collapse, the stock market collapse. And while these things have somewhat recovered, much of it has to do with the fact that emerging markets are in fashion right now. Turkey, has always been at the whim of what investors like to call hot money. They come in, they seek opportunities, and they move on. The truer measure, foreign direct investment in Turkey, I think by the end of the year you'll find that the only interest foreigners have in Turkey in terms of investment that's long-term is going to be in a consumer-facing industry, something like uh, grocery chains or uh, restaurants and things like that. Because while Turks are still comparatively wealthy with per capita income in the ten or $11,000 a year, the long-term prospects remain very, very clouded. Turkey is waiting for Moody's to make a decision on its long-term debt. Standard & Poor's degraded, uh, downgraded it immediately after the coup. And there's a significant concern that, you know, of all the emerging markets out there, in many ways Turkey may have better financial indicators than, say, Brazil, Russia, etc. But it doesn't have better political indicators. And any one thing such as this can change the narrative around Turkey to one that you need to avoid. Now, inflation, 8 8.5%, a central bank that's bound on cutting interest rates because that's what the president demands, a huge current account deficit that can grow even further as the government tries to stoke the economy to keep growth up around 3 or 4%, a very clouded future right here. Great, thank you. Mehul, what is the significance of Vice President Biden's visit? I mean, this is a key visit for Turkey, perhaps not as key a visit for a U.S. administration that's winding down in face of its upcoming elections. For Turkey, the idea that Americans have abandoned them in their time of need, or even for that matter, have perhaps encouraged Mr. Gulen because they continue to shelter him and not extradite him right away rather than wait for the judicial process to go through, has been a very difficult thing to deal with. 
Turkey has swung towards Russia. They've fixed their relationships that they've broken after Turkey shot down a Russian jet in November 2015. For the Americans to hold on to this key NATO ally, the only Muslim nation inside NATO, is a huge deal, especially at a time when they can need continued Turkish assistance in fighting ISIS. For the Turks, this is an opportunity, if you were, to turn the screws and ask the Americans to deliver on their long-standing promises of friendship to Turkey. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. So thank you very much, Mahul and Dan. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.